A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Hello, bonjour, and wa guan, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of The DNA Airwaves. Each episode of this podcast is produced, recorded, and mixed at the MPL in Toronto. The MPL is a collection of film and audio studios dedicated to making all things visual look amazing and all things audio sound brilliant. To learn more, please visit the-mpl, that's maple without the vowels, dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by The DNA Project. The DNA Project is an incredible live entertainment agency with world-class talent. It's essentially a one-stop shop for all your live entertainment needs. Check them out online before your next event at thednaproject.ca. Our guest for this episode today is Tony Mumrell. Tony is a British singer-songwriter that is currently the lead singer for the band Incognito. In addition to being part of this group, he has also released several solo projects and performed with some of the industry's biggest names, including Andrea Bocelli, Celine Dion, Sade, and Gwen Stefani. His latest EP, Lockdown Acoustic Sessions, is available wherever you stream your music. We connected with Tony over the internet and discussed the UK music scene, his journey with music, and a whole lot more. So without further ado, let's get to it. This is the DNA Airwaves. It's the, number, the number was going up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, one, three, seven. One, three, four, seven. <laughs> It's confusing like the COVID cases, man. Wow. It is confusing like the COVID cases. But we're here. Gentlemen, how are you today? Great. Well, great and remote. It's been a while since we've done one of these. I know. It is. Yeah. The delay yeah. is crazy. Yeah. It's still cool that we nervous. can. It's, we have an option here, right? Um, yeah. Tony, how you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. I'm good, good, good. Thanks for having me. Um, the COVID cases, like you said, it's crazy. It's happening all over the place. I think India, Brazil, and a few other places are now hitting it now, you know? But um, yeah. it's good to yeah. be here. Good to talk about live music and, you know, good to connect with you guys. Yeah, for sure, man. So we decided, we've been doing this podcast for a little while, and we were like, you know, it's been ma- mainly North American um, artists, management, things like that. And we sat down and we said we should probably start to reach out to other people around the world and see what's happening in different places. So um, this is our second edition, I believe, of uh, what we're calling artists, international artists, spotlight artist feature. Okay. And we're glad to have you, man. So you came across my radar actually just through some videos on YouTube. It's really cool stuff. Um, dug a little deeper, and you're something, someone that I definitely wanted to talk to. So, oh, nice. yeah, nice. we're thrilled to talk. Um, maybe just give us a little insight on, I mean, who you are, but how you got started into music. Sure, um, Tony Monroe, I, that's, and, and um, 
when I started, I started singing. I started singing when I was about maybe eight or nine. And the whole process yeah. from my, my, my family saw, I came from like a, not so much a musical family, but we had a lot of music in the house. And my parents are Caribbean, mother from Jamaica and father from St. Lucia. Nice. So there was a mixture of different styles of music within the house. And then my, my uncles, sure. my, my, my uncles were the ones that really were like getting into DJing. And that's when I was like introduced to a lot of soul, funk, um, rare groove and, and, and you know, a, a, a larger platform of music. But um, cutting yes. a long story short and fast forwarding, that was the kind of staple statement for me to know that this is what I want to do. I want to be in the entertainment business. And um, I just started up the ranks by, you know, joining some groups and learning to sing in, in church choirs. And um, it just got mm. me to a position where, you know, I was getting few calls for people wanting me to do sessions and um i got my name mainly mainly around the industry for like vocal arranging and you know being in the studio and adding extra bvs and stuff like that to tracks and um you know i knew that that's ultimately what i wanted to do i did a couple of small little uh little projects and then um the main kind of step for me was when i started to then sing backing vocals for quite a lot of big artists um Right, which was right. great and you know that started from like you know working for a lot of the pop stuff and being like in the uk for your listeners that are in the states um in the uk it's a much smaller demographic in terms of the black community so in terms of music for sure it's 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 more it's quite eclectic and i think for um yeah. artists and musicians we have to have that eclectic head to be able to play these different genres yeah. to work so, so it, yeah. I was really fortunate to work with all of these genres of artists like Gloria Estefan to Andre Pacelli uh, to l l loads of other like uh, major pop act, um, artists. And then, you know, um, landing the, the role and being within Incognito and as well as Sade, um, it, it was the kind of thing to kind of like catapult and mm. propel my career. So that's me in a nutshell. That's where I started from and now I'm just a solo artist. I'm still nice, part of yeah. Sade, still part of... Um, um, incognito in my family. Incredible. Yeah. What was your, what was like the first big break for you? The first, the first big break really when I, I made the decision of leaving, cause I, I was in like a, a, I started off when I started singing, I was also in a hip hop band as well. So I was doing lots of things around music okay. and it got to a point where I was like, you know what? I need to make some money now, man. Cause <laughs> I, I, I was enjoying the music, but it was got to a point. I was like, I was getting into my late teens, and I was like, I need to kind of have some some money. So I, I decided to not put music on pause, still do it, but then now look and and you know for for a job. My background and uh, was was you know marketing. So I, I joined a company and I stayed on that mm. for for a while. And then what happened was a friend of mine had um, a mu an agency, and he called me up and said, Listen, T, I, I've got this session that I want you to do. And I was like, I don't really like, I'm not doing that right now. I've got this job and I'm doing really well. I'm killing it. Um, it's great. And he said, look, I'll make, right. I'll make it around you. We'll do it on the weekend. So I was like, all right, cool. If it's on the weekend, then it's fine. Who's the artist? He says, oh, I don't know the artist. It's just, you know, go in and it's just, you know. There's a very famous studio called Olympic Studios that's no longer around. But I went there, mm -hmm. Studio A. I right. thought my friend was going to be there and the team of people. Studio A opened the door and sitting on the couch with her producer was Gloria Estefan. And she was oh, wow. just recording wow. the, the song. <laughs> yeah, so that was when I was, I'll be honest with you, I thought I was in the wrong room. I even said, sorry, I, the song called for a taxi. I said, I, I, just to get out. 
And uh, they said, no, 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 you're Tony, right? And I said, yeah. Like, what, how do you know my name? Um, which freaked me out even more. And um, it just came to yeah, the point of, of like, that was my friend letting me know that, that, that you know, he thought that I had what it takes to do, to, to do the session. And that was for a song, I think, I can't remember yeah, the year of the um, Olympics in Atlanta, but she did one of the main songs for it called Reach. So this was one right, of the songs yeah. that I was on and promoting with her. Um, and that was my kind of big first kind of break working with a celebrity. And I thought, wow, I, this is really cool. And then off of the back of that, there was a few other things that were coming through. But then <clears throat> I remember my big break in terms of working with an artist and touring after all of that backing vocals and sessions and stuff, mm -hmm. tour-wise, was with Robert Palmer. And um, he oh, heard wow. of me through nice. some, some some people and he he wanted me to, to, to join up with his group and we did, I think, about six months worth of touring, three months in the States. Um, and uh, that was in, like, I want to say, 97, 98. Um, but it was an incredible, yeah, yeah, okay. incredible break. And that was when I, that was it. That was like... Wow. I called my company up and I said, "Look, I, I, I'm resigning. Um, this is what I want to do." How, how old were you? I, I want to say I would have been, I would have been twenty, twenty-five, twenty-four, twenty-five. Wow. Yeah, you and look that, nice. thirty-four right now, so that's why I was like, "How? What were you doing this <laughs> dude, 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 <laughs> dude, I'm forty-eight. Oh, wow, you look great for 48, man. I thought you were low 30s. Yeah, bless you, man. Thanks, If you're man. listening, he really does. I know you can't see him right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks, man. You know what? So let's touch on this for a second, because you were doing this marketing job. Yeah. You have a friend who's a, uh, clearly a really good friend who thought of you for this great opportunity. Yeah. But what was, there obviously was a level of preparation that happened prior to you getting that call to have you even in the position to get the call, let alone to walk into the studio and not be starstruck, or maybe you were starstruck, but still carry out um, on a level the job that you were called to do. Can you talk us through yeah. the thought process of just like maintaining your cool and yeah, practicing I, what you knew or doing what you were prepared to do already? Yeah, I think... Especially when we communicate nerves through our voice more than anything else. That's yeah. true. That's, Holy, that's yeah. true. Wow. That's so true, you man. hear that right now on me. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing is, is that um, for me, like I, I knew that this was what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. I, I knew that I was destined to be on the stage in some form or capacity. I would be within the entertainment world. And um, when it came to the point of me. Sorry, it looks like, like we might have lost him. Did you lose me? We did for a bit. Yeah, for a sec there, and then uh, we heard, did you lose me, of course. It's always yeah, it's, the yeah, yeah, it's that's probably typical. still recording, but yeah, we're not mm -hmm. hearing you, but we could, we can yeah. Yeah, plow ahead. Sorry, answer the question, and then we'll uh, we'll get it in with a delay, and then we'll yeah. get it in. Yeah, no, no, no problem. So, um, for me, I always knew, I always knew that I was destined to be on stage or performing, you know, within the performing arts and the entertainment world, and... It just so happened that I was I was practicing all the time, so I knew that I wanted to right. sing. And actually, I remember the first I, I was I, the first kind of artist concert that I went to was a gospel concert, and uh, it was commissioned. Okay. Um, and uh, that's like Fred oh, Hammond, wow. Marvin Sapp, you know. 
And I heard him, of yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Now he's like like a personal mentor brother to me. Um, and I, I as a kid, wow, I heard them sing, and that was it. Th- that was it. I was like, that's it. This is what I want to do. I, I, this has now been confirmed, and I want to sing like that. That you, you know. So I, I literally got all of their vinyl, all the whinings, everyone, and I was at home in my room, and <laughs> I, 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 I quit my hip hop group. Because we were getting on, and for me it was like you know we were all like finding our own place in where we wanted to be in life, and you know needed to get jobs and work and stuff. And for me it was like right, yeah. my downtime yeah. while I'm working is I'm going to study this art of singing because I never really sang before. It was more I was more of a hip hop artist, but people could say that I could sing. So I really studied about tone right, delivery, so that when it got to the point of now me fast forwarding to getting uh, uh, bookings for sessions. Um, in my mind, I had so yeah. much um, information and so much knowledge of learning about all these different techniques that when it came to the studio recording, I felt quite comfortable. Um, the nerves were there um, mm. because yes. obviously you're starstruck yeah. seeing somebody there that, that knows your name and you, you don't know what they expect of you yeah. um, and what the style is and that. So I right. was very patient and actually when they were playing me the record I would say can you play it again can you play it again so that I was making sure that I got the, the right kind of texture on for you know so at least on the first attempt they could guide me and and make me feel like okay it's it's working and the blend is there and stuff like that so yeah it, I, I, I came in the room with this thing of like I'm supposed to be here but at the same time I was still I was still incredibly fragile you know Right. So, work. so, so the full process. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm. No, were, ahead, they, um, were they giving you a lot of specific guidance during that first session of what what you should be singing exactly, or was it kind of just yeah. on you to bring well, what you could? On that one, it was very structured because they had the the, the song, and actually there was it was me and a few other singers, and then they they tracked it up because they wanted to sound like a BV section, and then at the, towards the end they wanted it to sound like a choir. Mm. So we had to take different notes and stuff oh, like that. And we, nice. uh, that side of it, we uh, we knew and what to do. But in terms of where the production was going, and because it was the one of the official songs for the Atlanta Olympics, it was like already scripted, stripped. Everything was there. Um, so yeah, that one was in a, a pretty much easy process to do. And you know, there's been some times where I've done other sessions where they've literally just nice. like gone, "What do you hear?" And for you, for me to come up with stuff, which right. sometimes it, it was pressure, pressuring, wow. and at the same time, you know. There's a hit and miss, you know? Sometimes it does well, sometimes not yeah. so much. So, yeah. <laughs> Got you. Learning with, um, from experience. So, yeah, man. I was asking that question because I know you mentioned that you also have moved on as a part of your journey to vocal arranging. So when did you kind of start to tackle that part and bring your own ideas to the forefront as far as what the vocal should be sounding like on other people's projects? And yeah, like that? Uh, uh, what, what I would do is, is that, um, you know, like when, especially here in the UK, it was predominantly like pop records. And so you would have right, certain okay. artists that, you know, would do stuff that was more they wanted to be had that more of American flavor but American pop so whether it be more of an NSYNC type of BV yeah. or or mm. um you know uh, the the Backstreet Boys where it was really close-knit harmonies barbershop kind of style mm-hmm. so with some of the pop acts I would just yeah. influence it with a little bit of color and that was just some slight changes and some movements 
so that it was acceptable to them, to the, to the, the record label and, and, and the artists go, yeah, I, I dig it. And not to be too, too, you know, too, too colourful. And um, I think I, I really enjoyed it because, like I said, listening to groups like Take Six and, and Commissioned, where they was all about vocals. Yeah. For me, that was it. And so yeah. it was a natural progression to start learning other harmonies. And when I sang in different like groups and gospel groups, you know, if it was a four four guys in a group, you'd you'd know everyone's part just in case. So it really helped. All of that that training gown really helped me when it came to like doing vocal vocal production. It wasn't something that I was like saying, yeah, I I I've, I can officially do it. It's just that I knew to do, how to do it, and so I knew how to do BVs and right. I could hear That's all the other harmonies and quickly sing them down. And that's kind of how things as together. someone who grew up in the nineties. Oh, sorry. I, there's a massive delay and I, I don't, are we, you still here? He's back. Yo, it back. Yeah, <laughs> man. I don't know what happened, man. It just froze, man. I was, I was literally, Anthony, I was literally emailing you going, dude, it's frozen. I don't, should I reload? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. We're going to cut it all back up, put it together. Yeah. And, yeah. Sorry about that. We had a good little no, chat. It's all good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're clearer than ever. I think your connection's better now. Yeah, you know yeah. what? Because I've got two, I've got two Wi-Fi routers, and I'm in my office at the moment, so I just, I've just changed routers. Ah, which, uh, yeah. seems to be better. Well, let's press yeah. on before something goes back. This is good. <laughs> yeah, so no, we're loving this though. You, you oh, cool, man. Matt? Thanks. Yeah, man. I wanted to ask because um, you mentioned the Backstreet Boys, and that that was around the His time when group. I was, yeah, till till this day, oh, right. I no. Um, but you mentioned NSYNC and then Backstreet Boys, and I'm just wondering, as somebody who, who was working on the vocals at that time, how can you describe a bit how the, the top boy bands differed from each other? And maybe why yeah, it, 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 different people like, were interested in different bands? Yeah, I think in the UK, you know, the UK is a small island, and in terms of the music that was hitting here in Europe, it was pretty much based on the, the, the influence of the United States and the bands that were coming out from the United States. Right. And the, the thing about it, actually, it's funny because I actually ended up, I didn't end up working with the Backstreet Boys, but I did some stuff with um, um, Nick Carter and his, his brother, Aaron Carter. And I worked on Aaron Carter's oh, record, right, which right, was really right. kind of, yeah. So I worked on that and wrote, yeah, wrote um, his, yeah. his, I think wrote two or three of his singles. Which went number one, by the way. But anyway, um, so oh, I, I, I did that. Wow! But the, the thing was, was the the, the head of the, the label of Jive at the time, and the, the head of the overseer of all of the uh, Zomba group in terms of A and R was a guy called Steve yeah. Lunt, who's a, is an English guy. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. what he did was he had Backstreet Boys, but and he already had NSYNC on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And they were, he was working on right. both of them at the time. And what he decided to do is wait until New Kids on the Block was kind of fading out. And right. at the time, he wanted to keep momentum. And America's a massive beast in terms of industry, radio, yeah. and, and all the other yeah, things that yeah, come yeah. with marketing a record. So he decided to base them in Germany. And so where I first yeah. heard about the Backstreet Boys, America didn't know about them. It was Germany. Yeah. And yeah. what he did was yeah. he put them out on all the college campus uh, uh, tours and they were doing yeah. all these European festivals and people were like, who are these yeah. guys? And then yeah. they came wow. out and they did a song called them, I'll never break your heart. That kind of song. Oh, yeah. It was the first kind of ballad yeah. voice yeah. to many kind of thing. And that yeah. was it. And then news hit from like the UK and Europe. 
And then MTV and VH1 picked up on it. I was like, yo, these guys are American. And Steve yeah. Lutz's marketing strategy was like, that was it. And he did the same thing for Britney Spears um, as well. Put them yeah. in Europe, get that whole market going and thriving, get, sell them back to the States um, for it all. So in terms of Brilliant. like l- looking, at, looking at the blueprint, I was watching how he was working and the type of bands he was working with and putting together. And so when it came to me working with mm-hmm. some of the other um, bands and some European bands, I, that was my blueprint. And again, it was all pretty much European in terms of production, Max mm-hmm. Martin uh, uh, um, uh, um, producing it, you know, so it was very uh, European Scandinavian. Yeah. And so it was just listening to some mm-hmm. of those writers and stuff and taking the melodies and going, right, okay, the choruses is basically the root melody with just a couple of little harmonies, but tracked up loads of times. And it's very repetitive, you know? And that's what record labels were wanting at the time. So, yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Were, were you arranging for other artists before you wrote for yourself? Um, yes and no. I mean, some of the artists were like, you know, artists that I'd worked with before. I didn't do any kind of like a, a commission stuff to say like, hey, we need you to come and, and, and arrange vocals. Not, usually what would happen is yeah. I'm, they want me to sing BVs on it and it would be also me kind of vocal coaching them at the same time. And then it would be like, well, what do you honestly think, Tom? And I'll go, well, it could be better or we could add some things in and see what you like at the end of the day. You know, and some of these yeah. artists didn't have the, the, the ultimate um, decision because it would be down to the producer and the record label. But most of the times, a lot of my embellishments and stuff, um, you know, they would go like, we really like that. And so, you know, obviously they'd have to rearrange the business agreement and that's how it kind of worked. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So as you're talking, I'm kind of hearing parts of your career, how they unfolded, your first opportunity doing backups. Uh, at some point you started doing vocal arrangements and now you've mentioned writing too. I want you to talk yeah. to us a bit about that, but I do have one quick question that I, I don't want to forget sure. about. You mentioned colors um, as far as um, vocals go. Can you just yeah. explain to those who aren't aware what that means and how you approach it, that? Yeah, I mean, my my approach and, and my my um, the way that I'm describing colors is that you know, you could have a song that's a, the blank canvas and you could have the primary kind of yeah. vocal chord, a three-part harmony. But then the colours, what I refer to, are the mm-hmm. counter melodies and some other kind of harmonies. But once they're put together, it brings this blanket of, like, sound. And so um, for me, it was when, yeah, I, yeah. when I was doing stuff like that, I was adding all of this flavour to it. Some of it was a bit too rich and some, you know, and then you just strip away and go, right, it works better like this. <laughs> But that's that's what I mean yeah. by like overcoloring. Yeah. Love it. Thank you for that. And yeah, so talk talk to us a little bit about your writing process, how that works, how that started. Yeah. Um, well, what happened was I I didn't really in the beginning. I guess I I knew how to to write, but I didn't know how to write as you would want to listen to a song because I was writing a lot right. of hip hop stuff. I was writing a lot of raps, you know, so I knew how to lyrically yeah. put things together, but it's a different kind of thought process than to writing a melodic song and knowing that with the right. rap, you can, you can get, you can get so much more bars in. Whereas if you're singing over a particular rhythm, yeah. you have to, yeah, yeah, you have yeah, to flow yeah. with it. So I get the sentiments in and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, what yeah, I yeah. was doing, I was listening to lots of other artists and writers, Babyface and a, a few others. Um, 
and I was just listening to the format of, okay, this is where they're going with the yeah. verse, or it's a short verse, because they want to get right to the meat of the song, which is the chorus. And then there would be, you know, a, a double chorus and then a bridge and then the chorus and the chorus. And so I, I was learning in that sense of it all by trying to write something that was quite similar to, to see if I was in the right thing. And I, I had one of those old right. four track okay. systems where you had the cassette tape in and you could record yourself. Yeah. Nice. And so I was doing that to see if it sounded like a song. Uh. <laughs> um, and, and it was only when... Yeah. Um, I, I became quite seasoned in doing backing vocals that I, I became really good friends with a couple mm. of pop artists. One of them is a UK artist. He's, his name's Gary Barlow. And he's part of this massive pop group called Take That. They're huge. And mm. over the years, they've sold uh, oh, yeah, over yeah, 150 yeah. million. Yeah. Massive. Written, written for like, you know, for like films. Yeah. He's done lots yeah, of yeah. stuff. Now, I knew... Do they sing Want You Back? Want You Back for Good? That's right. You, yeah, you know it. So, 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 yeah, I yeah, worked, I worked with them on back from back then. And um, what happened was Gary again is another person that loves nice. black music, urban music. And so, on certain things, even when mm. you listen to the yeah. the BVs on that, it's a little bit of color, and it's a little bit of like you know just kind of like barbershoppy kind of feel to it all, but on a pop record. And I knew mm. that he just yeah. had the formula of like knowing how to write yeah. hit songs. And so um, when I was getting booked to do um, sessions, it just became a, a time where he was working on a solo record and he wanted me to come to the studio just to hang out and play with some ideas. And I said, cool. And when it came to, to like actually yeah. doing it, I said, look, don't pay me. What I want you to do is I want to sit down in the room and, and actually write. I want to sit mm. down and watch you write. Don't, don't pay me. I just want to like learn That's that huge. process. I want to be in the room, yeah. not just for the session, of when you're actually starting up from whatever else and that, and you know, that that's that's more to me than just coming in and singing and hearing a bit of a song and then leaving. And so he was like, cool. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we just bonded and I was watching his format and how he, he writes songs. And then that became a common practice for me to ask, you know, certain people that I, I respected in terms of their, their craft to like, can I sit in the room? I just kind of want to learn how you do it. Yeah, and it's brilliant. You know, brilliant and that's kind of how, yeah, that's kind of yeah. how it happened for me, man. Amazing. Uh, from that, from all of your experience, what, I guess, few words could you share with up-and-coming writers, songwriters, creators to help them on their journey? Sure. I would say, um, you know, the first thing I've always learned is learn to embrace rejection. And, and, and I mean this in the positive light that mm -hmm. not everybody's going to like what you do. And not everyone's going to like how you particularly may right. sound because we're, we're always, we're always uh, progressing, you know, mm -hmm. we're always perfecting the, the craft. Yeah. And so uh, I would never, uh, never be dismayed right. or never feel like, Hey, you know what? I'm not good enough. Cause there's, uh, I, I know I've got some great producer friends of mine, writer friends of mine, artist friends of mine that when I speak to them on, on a one-to-one, -one, they will tell me like the songs that they hated the most, that they thought was terrible were the songs that actually became the breakthrough song for them. The best. So, so it's it's a case of like I don't yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. I would always tell people don't kill, kill the idea because you think it isn't good. It, you may need to revisit it like right. you know sometime down the line, and it will then spark that spark where you it starts to speak to you and the song gets put together. But never never doubt yourself. If and and what I would always say is always study like if you're trying to be 
you want to be a, a, like a, a hit writer or a pop writer or whatever it may be, then look at who's really doing well yeah. in that genre that you really like and, and check out a lot of their songs and read their lyrics and the sentiment behind it and why did they choose that word and, and, and find out. And that, that all of these things are tools for research and it's to sharpen your own tools and going, right, well, I can learn yeah, a bit yeah, from this. Yeah. And everybody, music, we're all influenced by so many things in life. So it's never like, oh, there's this one original. Because I can guarantee you, if you go further back in line, you'll see that there's someone else that, that inspired that person. So for me, it's like, it's just That's a repeat true. cycle of learning and growing and what can be done here and how can I do that? And the key is, it's just like persistence. Absolutely. Yeah, that's some of the can best I advice you... I think we've heard on this show. Thank you. Oh, I man, my pleasure, bro. I have a question about um, when it comes to writing your songs, when do you feel that it's ready for someone else to hear? When do you feel it might be complete or close to completion? Is there a gut yeah. feeling or do you just go, I'm done with it? And that's yeah. It. You know what? I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I am, as much as I'm saying be persistent and all that kind of stuff, I am my own worst enemy yeah. when it comes to this. Because I, yeah. I have my team and they're like, when can we hear it? And usually what happens is when I'm in album mode, I, no one gets to listen to the music. And they're, you know, they're yeah, like, yeah. what's going on? This is like, come on, we're frustrated. Like, and I'm like, I don't want you to hear it because I don't want you to add any ideas or, or give any comments yeah. on it mm. when I know it's not where I want it to be just right now. Right. You know, and right. I, I did that right. out of like a learned behavior of um, working with artists where they've had people influence the idea or influence them, them in terms of the thought process. And for me, I need to yeah. feel 100% that I'm, that I'm happy with the song and it's representing me the way that I want it to before I play it to someone and go, you know, here it is. And I might say, look, you know, I'm going to change some bits on the BVs and I'm going to change the bits in the production, but this is the song. So it takes me, it, yeah. takes, it takes a while. I've got to go through it and go over it and sing it to myself. Does it sound right? questioning some of the lyrics right. what does it mean here have i used it before let me see and then i'll just have a i've got a sounding panel of people that i know that are like not always in the industry some are and some are not but they just love music and they're they're honest and yeah. they hear it they're not going to be critiquing it from the point of view of oh i think you should you know take it up a semitone or you should change that bit there why did the chorus is going too long they're not yeah, going to be yeah. like that they're just going to listen as a listener yeah and that's my sounding board right that's great. That's a great piece of advice too, that you don't always have to ask somebody that's in the industry or a producer, just a listener and let them listen to it. That's, that's actually really, really good. It is. Yeah, and, and for me, set up uh, when you're working on your own? Oh, I'm sorry. Up. Again, there's like a three second delay in my end. No, 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 that's all right. That's all right. Um, um, no, my, my setup is when I'm working on my own, um, I've got like in my office here, can't see it, but in my, in, in my, in my office here, I've got, um, uh, some microphones, I've got some lights, I've got a couch, I've got some things like that. Um, and that's when I'm like working on stuff here, ready to transport to right. the studio. Now that might be just me, and it's mainly for predominantly for vocals. If I've got the idea and I'm doing the vocals, when I go to the studio or get my band mm. together, we already kind of know where it's going, and then I do the master vocal. Sometimes I might do it here, or you know, most of the times I'll go in the studio and do it. Um, and that's it. It's, it's, it's right. like a uh, a high quality demo and that's what I try to do here and actually right. the, 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 my EP that, that I just released everything was recorded here um, all of my vocals are recorded here and everything else was recorded remotely nice. because of lockdown mm -hmm. well, that's amazing that 
people can just be set up now to record high quality stuff from home. Well, uh, it's been around for if a you while. You can work but... with one act, right? Oh, sorry, sorry. Keep that, keep, Tariki, Keep that Fair thought. Enough. If I could work one out, and Matt, oh. what I was saying is, is that oh, well. the, the, it's been around for uh, um, a while, but this time it was the most testing ever because usually you've got the comfort of going to the studio. So why would you record remotely? You know, unless you're recording someone that's in a different country. Right. But because yeah, of this yeah. lockdown situation, we had no choice. And I was like, look, I, I'm putting a record out. I'm making a record. I'm not going to sit here just watching the sky. I need to be productive. So I, yeah. I did my parts mm-hmm. there. My guitarist did his parts. They were, they were, he was in Italy at the time. And then my other band members did their parts remote yeah. from their studios and brought it together. And that's, that's kind of how it came. And it just shows that it, it, is, it is possible even though it was a bit frustrating, it was still possible, and that's the fruits of our labor is this EP. Still made it happen. Yeah, man. Well, um, I was going to ask another question about the escape video that you made, but I'll ask my, my original question first. Okay. What uh, country surprised you like most when you performed that you were like, you didn't even think that you'd be accepted there, but your music was well-received? I saw you performed in, I believe, Italy. Was that Italy I saw? Yeah, man. Uh, um, festival. And I didn't even know they had a big jazz scene out there, but it looked like the, a lot the, of people were enjoying your music. Bro, let me tell you something. In in Europe alone, they have over 200 and I want to say 260 festivals that are jazz festivals. Oh, wow. Wow. There is a yeah, lot of festivals. I had no idea. Yeah, it's huge. Because, you know, Europe as a whole, all of these countries together, it's massive. And, you know, Germany alone mm-hmm. have at least 60 or 70 uh, uh, festivals throughout the year in different no cities. Kidding. And wow. what's great yeah. about some of these festivals in Europe is that um, they have like funding from their local like government, their local councils, art mm-hmm. councils. Right. And so right. some festivals could run for like two, three months where every weekend mm-hmm. it will be, wow. you know, two or three art, big artists playing and they all do that for like two or three months. Yeah. And then it will be right. another city. That's kind of how they do it in certain places. So, um, Wow. Yeah, uh, I've done a lot there. I, I think one of the places that I was really surprised about was when I played um, in Bulgaria. And um, <laughs> it, it's kind of like, it was a twisted thing because I knew about this festival before and I was like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go out there and do this. And, and it, was, it was, I think it was about 10,000 people. But it was weird that yeah. there was a lot yeah. of people that, that, that knew my music. Um, and it, really? it was, it just, well, yeah, because like this, this, you know, you've got like the Western part of, of Europe, which is, you know, France, Germany, Italy, Spain. So they, right. they've got the same kind of radio format as we have here in the UK, right? In the States. Mm-hmm. But when right, you go to these, right. some of these other countries in Eastern Europe, where it's a little bit more communist or it, they're culturally slightly different and the choice of music, yeah. what they listen to, that becomes more, more kind of like, um, like dance and more uh, um, techno techno um, feel of music, you know? So so when it's yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. It's, it's kind of like you don't really know because that's all you're hearing is... And, you know, on the radio, <laughs> people on the street. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, they're not going to be coming to this man seeing this gig. And then, like, there's all these people. So, yeah, yeah that was one of the most places that I was really surprised. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Cool, man. Did, um, you mentioned the dance music. I, I know you've done a lot of remixes, or I don't know if that's you or DJs that have remixed your music. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so, so there's another collective that I'm, I'm, I'm involved with um, called Real People. And, um, you know, what happened was 
when I started right. doing okay. my my stuff, I think it, it actually stemmed off when I when I joined Incognito, because Incognito was like predominantly jazz funk, um, okay. soul, but there was always remixes, and Incognito was always known for also doing remixes, and so it was a kind of natural progression when I then started to work okay. with real people who also did remixes as well as original stuff. And it just so happened that my style of voice worked well for the soulful house. Um, and, you know, and that's when we started doing right. stuff with yeah, Louis, yeah. Louis Vega <laughs> and, you know, Terry Hunter and a bunch of other people, you know? Yeah. So it's not something that I've yeah, deliberately love, remixed. Love Some of my new material, I've got other guys to remix um, for me and stuff like that. So that's been cool. And okay. me and, you know, Louis Vega's done a lot of stuff with me and I've done a lot of stuff with him. And so we've got that great relationship. We know that, yeah, you know, that. certain songs work as remixes. So, but I'm not like somebody that's like yeah. going in the studio and working on that. That's not, that's not what I do. Just kind of a byproduct. Yeah. Can you still spit fire in the booth? Can you still? <laughs> You're funny, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, not like that. Not like I used to. No, I, I, no, I, I, okay, um, okay, fair enough. yeah, man. I like, like, Back back then, you know, you could, you you were good enough for like like five minutes, but some of these guys can go yeah, yeah, on, yeah. man. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what, yeah, like yeah. what's going on here? You know, it's a different beast. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Man, it's been great talking to you. I have one small disappointment, unless I missed it. I didn't get it in it. Um, was really and expecting it, one. It. I was expecting one. Well, of those, you, well, you, but... well, you, well, it's like that, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. I have a personal question. Okay, it, up, man. Do you know? Do you know Craig David? I do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh um, my god. Yeah, I do. I, 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 I do. Actually, um, I, I know him just mainly because it's funny, actually, because. They, they, his management team, when he first dropped his first album, um, Born to Do It, they needed someone to come mm. in and help with the vocals. So I got the call to come in and help. And what happened oh, was wow. they didn't expect, they didn't expect that record to blow up the way that it did. And so they were rushing mm. to put a band together. I mean, he put out a single and then wow. it went straight to number one. Then it, then the album started to catapult and it ended up selling over 8 million albums. So it just went crazy. And so they had to quickly right. put a band together. Yeah, wow. And um, yeah. they asked me to come down and help with some of the vocals and do some of the promo stuff. Um, but then um, I, that's how I met him. And then it happened to be that there was a guy that remixed one of my old songs that he was a fan of. I said, hey, man, you're telling me, I know who you are, man. I've got this record that you did years ago. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, uh, again, it was wow. a remix from someone mm. else. But yeah, that's how I met him. And now. Wow. That's super cool. What a small world. I had a that's feeling. So funny. I had a feeling. <laughs> no, that's so cool. Tony, thanks so much for your time today, man. It's been an oh, absolute pleasure, pleasure chatting with you. If you're I ever really in Toronto, please it. stop by and we'll do this again in person. Um, Yo, man, go, listen, Toronto, go, I love... Shout out your socials, let people know where to find you. Yeah, just wanted to say before I do my socials, man, I love Toronto. I've been a few times. Toronto's amazing. Great Caribbean oh, nice. community. I've got family in Toronto. So, so, and I played there when I was oh, with Jardé. Oh, okay. Ridiculous. And the streets nice. are clean, man. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> they are pretty clean, aren't they? <laughs> well next time you're next time you're down, uh let's uh let's hang out and uh yeah. marvel at our clean streets. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Really, really appreciate it. Okay, nice show meeting your you, Tony. socials for everybody so we can follow along. Sure, man. You can hit me up directly at TonyMomrell.com. I'm on all the other platforms, just as Tony Monrell, Insta, Tony Monrell, and I'm always directly with my fans. So anyone that connects with me, I immediately, I'm the person that's writing back to you. Really, really appreciate it, man. That's dope. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it, brothers. Our pleasure, man. Nice meeting you. Thank you, man. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com Captivate today to start your free trial.